0: Big changes uh, equals disruption, Mm -hmm. and disruption means as a leader, you have to adapt. It's not even, it's not even, you have to adapt.
1: Welcome back to the Executive Leadership Podcast. I know it's been a few weeks since we've released an episode, but we've been planning an awesome series for all you listeners out there on workplace culture. And we actually have one of our early guests when we started this podcast, Bob Hobby. Uh, Bob Hobby is a leader in the business aviation industry, and he is the owner and founder of Service Elements International. And you can find out more, find out the, more about what they do at the link in the podcast description. We're going to be starting a conversation on the theme, the leadership that brought us here is the leadership that's not going to take us into the future. So what does that mean? That might bring a lot of questions. What does that mean? The leadership that brought us here is not going to take us into the future. And so we're going to unpack that over the next couple of weeks with some awesome guests. And we're going to kick it off with Bob Hobby. And hope you enjoy this podcast discussion that I have with Bob Hobby. Hope you enjoy well, Bob, thank you so much for being back on the podcast. Really happy to have you back on, and thanks for your time again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, and I always enjoy these podcasts. It's my favorite topic, so um, I'm always looking forward to to sharing some some you know some of the things that we learn throughout our activities in the industry. So,
1: yeah, thanks it's it's de- it's it's definitely been a joy getting to know you over the last couple of years a little bit more. Both yeah. meeting you virtually and in person. So, and it's really awesome because we we both do work in the same space. So it's good yeah. to yeah. come every now and then and compare notes to see yeah. what's going Absolutely.
0: on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, uh, really, since uh, we last talked, um, really, we've been really talking about this overarching theme, which is really based on what we're both seeing is really the leadership that brought us here is really not gonna take us into the future. And this is something that I've been listening for a while now, but never really took a deep dive into this because this is such a critical right. topic because it is right. true, right? The yeah. leadership that yeah. brought us here is not gonna take us into the future. So why yeah. why is this something uh, important to know and understand, Bob? Yeah,
0: well, I think uh, one of the things that uh, it's important here is I want to make sure that the audience understands that when we say the leadership that brought us here can't take us, this is not out of disrespect. This is not about saying that the leadership that brung us made mistakes or didn't know what they were doing or, or so on. In fact, they did the best they could uh, with what was available and based on the context of the times that they were operating in. So so this is not, again, to say, you know, someone is failing or was failing. Times have changed. So that's the thing that's that's causing this discussion to come to surface. And what I mean by that is you can take a look at, you know, there's some fundamental issues that have changed in, in the world around us, much less in the industry. And, you know, you kind of layer it down to the industry and so on. There is... Enormous amounts of change that have come in from all directions. You can take your, you know, smartphones being, you know, one of them uh, that's changed the way we communicate. You know, and leadership, uh, a big portion of uh, uh, being a good leader uh, is is about being a good communicator. Uh, so things have evolved, and so we're looking forward to the future and. The reason we say what's brought us is not going to take us is because the context and the changes that are now issues were not event, were not present in the past, so we didn't have to address them, we didn't have to deal with them. Um, and then to add to that, in, in 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 all sorts of different types of new challenges, like shortage of people, right? Uh, shortage of uh, qualified people, uh, huge retirement waves, and on and on and on. You can go down that list, and the pandemic, of course, you know, causing a huge interruption, uh, and causing many changes on its own. You know, the side effects of of the pandemic. So they, that that's really the purpose of this. So things have shifted, and that's the reason for that comparison, uh, because what we're dealing with today is uh Enormously different than what we did uh, in the years past. And that's the so one of the first steps for any any leader is to recognize the difference, okay? Uh, I hear way too many times that look, we've been doing this this way for a long time or or I don't see any problems. I don't see any issues. Uh, these are to me red flags because, You know, just because you don't see them, it doesn't mean they don't exist. It, uh, You know, not, you know, acknowledging issues or challenges doesn't mean they're not there. So uh, you can't, you can't. So I see some of that because of this notion that, well, you know, we've been doing this this way for many years and it's brought us to where we are. And we're still here. We're very successful. One of the things that comes up often is... um, just because you've been here for a long time, especially like when you think of a specifically like a flight operation, right? Yeah. Uh, for, an or, for, a, for a corporation. Uh, just because you've been there for many years, it doesn't mean you're gonna continue to be there for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to continue to align yourself with the enterprise that you're serving. And if you don't align yourself, if you don't get yourself invited as a leader to the to the C-suite, to to show value to offer advice to offer uh consultations for the company's business then you know out of sight out of mind and then when it comes to you know cuts and budget cuts and you know things of that nature then you you can become a target uh, whether you like it or not you know uh, even though you're doing the same thing you've been doing for years and years and so those um Evaluation processes, the value proposition of, of an airplane, a, a private airplane, has completely shifted. It's no longer uh, the same way. It's not viewed the same way it was viewed many many years ago, um, and, and so on. So these are fundamental changes. Uh, I mean, we can go, we can talk about changes for for a long time. I mean, you know that, and and but the point is. Enormous changes have come to us. Uh, whether we like it, we like it or not, we can sit and argue the the reasons and the you know the, the 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 importance of these changes. But the fact is, they're here. So that's why we need to have different approach to leadership going forward.
1: Yeah, Bob. So really, based on what you said here. There's been an overall, I would say, disruption in the workforce, right? In, right. in general, on a big, big yeah. broader scale. But then also, the aviation industry was significantly disrupted as well. And yeah. due to the obvious, you know, COVID and air travel and things like that, there's been right. a huge shift. Yeah. And I, th- and correct me if I'm wrong, but based on like my upbringing in the aviation industry, leaders were able to get away with keeping things the same uh keeping things the same maintaining and now uh-huh. you really can't get away with that in today's yeah. world that we're in you have to no, evolve
0: absolutely.
1: you have to you you have to evolve because the workforce yeah. and our industry just been disrupted
0: yeah absolutely They, you know big changes uh, equals disruption mm-hmm. and disruption means as a leader, you have to adapt. It's not even if it's not even a You have to adapt to the disruption. You have to adapt to to address the disruption, and how to maintain it, how to make sure that it flows uh, in the direction that you want to lead. And so, I think those are those are key elements that you know uh, the adaptability is the key element here for for new leadership. I've uh, got to understand, uh, people issue, a, as in general, people issues are front and center mm-hmm. today because we talk about culture, because we talk about um, talent, we talk about retaining talent, we talk about developing talent, we talk about a talent that's engaged, that you need an engaged a talented group needs to be engaged. If they're not engaged, they're not. They're, you're not using their talent. So these are the things that impact um, the future. And uh, so, so to sit back and say that you know whether you're a CEO of a company or president of a company, whether you're a director of aviation or vice president of aviation or a director of maintenance, uh, and or running a, a, a maintenance shop, these are issues that are in front of you and you, if you ignore them and you, you decide that, Hey, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing because it's brought us here. I think you're in for a very turbulent uh, time ahead of you because these issues are real. Uh, We see them every day. We see them constantly. And uh, we also see people who choose to want to ignore them, you know, want to just kind of say, well, that's, uh, either I don't know how to deal with that, and/or I've never had to deal with it. So either way, uh, this is going down the wrong path, and it's going to cause challenges for any any given organization, big and small. It doesn't matter. We coach a lot of leaders in the industry, and uh, boy, uh, they just uh, there's a there's an awakening that's happening mm-hmm. that needs to happen. Our first thing is, hey, you know, <laughs> things are different. You know, we start our workshops with let's talk about what's different because by doing that, then people automatically start to learn that, look, things have changed. So I can't be doing the same thing, expecting a different result uh, and so on. So uh, absolutely. Your your point about adaptability is incredibly important today.
1: Yeah. And I think what's happened with the with folks with leaders maintaining historically is now people are starting to peel the onion of these companies and realizing it all wasn't a good story in the first place. It all was being a good story was being told. But when you look inside the organization, the culture is not great. It's developed toxic environments for years. And now it's, it's really now you have to go and unravel it. And start to make those small shifts and small changes, yeah. which is not an easy task nor an easy journey. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think you know the 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 blend that we're getting with all these changes. Okay, the the sort of culmination of all these coming together: the talent shortage, the retirement, the change in 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 the uh, world culture, the change in the aviation and aerospace culture. All these things are coming together and they do create an enormously different environment for us to be to be leading into. And so we have to recognize what those are. We have to address them. We have to recognize I, you know, I frequently I ask, uh, you know, leadership audience like uh, what percentage of your time is spent on people issues. Um, And they say, uh, you know, about 15, 20%, uh, uh, you know, uh, of my time. And I tell him, I said, "What? Well, you know what, You you have to change that. You have to turn that into double that or go to 50% of your time at minimum. Because if you're not t- attending to your people, you're going to miss things. And when you miss things, it doesn't matter the procedures that you have in place, the technology that you have in place, the airplanes that are um, you have in place all that stuff means nothing if you don't have your people in the right place and being led in a good direction with some some knowledge of understanding where we're going, why we're going there, and uh, what's my role and where you know where you know what's the target where what are, what are we aiming for and you know we've struggled with this question like it's hard to set a goal. Uh, that motivates people, right, in in, in in an organization. Well, we, in my humble opinion, we just got handed a perfect gift for that that issue. The perfect gift is that the new generation that's coming into work workforce for us is looking for a good place to work in. That's a goal. That's an objective to to arrive at. That's a gift because before we didn't have it, you know, you hit to chief pilot and then you know you have nowhere else to go. You hit the director of aviation, that's the glass ceiling. You don't go anywhere else. And so and, and so on and so forth. But now, as a leader, I, we just got handed an enormous gift, which is something we can actually impact, something we can actually do something about, uh, have developing a culture of engagement. That keeps people into in your organization, keeps talent with you, a culture of developing talent, which keeps people being attracted to your organization. I want to go there. This is the way you you lead for the future, is you want to create an organization where people say, you know what, that's where I want to work at. That's the company that is doing the right things. And so this is this is a gift. This literally is a gift because. Um, we didn't have, we had a hard time finding those uh, focal points to, you know, to, to, to drive to the objectives to drive to, you know, and saying, okay, we got to have more revenue. That is just useless as far as rank and file of people are concerned. That that doesn't mean anything to them, you know, oh, okay. So we're going to get more money as revenue for the company. That's great. I'm happy, but that's, what does that do for me? Okay. Mm -hmm. And, so I'm, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited that we actually have something that we can deal with. However, the place to start is in the mirror. You gotta look in the mirror and say, what am I prepared to do? What am I prepared to do? Where am I going to lead? Where is the future that I'm leading to? And what are the changes that I'm gonna have to implement to myself, <laughs> okay, yeah. a little bit of a self-evaluation is required. What am I going to do in order to get us to get, get a, uh, an organization that sees a future, sees a plan, sees goals, sees objectives? And uh, we just got handed a gift. People want a good place to work at. People want a team that that work, is working well together, that's producing good results. And it's not just about revenue. By the way, when you have a team like that, the revenue comes right along with it. It's yeah. not it's not a magic trick. So uh, that's where that's where we are. That's where we need to be uh, to look at things from a different perspective.
1: Yeah, you, you touched on some awesome points there. I'm trying to figure out what to touch on. Um, the, first <laughs> one, <laughs> the first one, the uh, first one is I think you, you I think that's where we need to start this is self-awareness. Yeah. is looking leaders looking at the mirror because in today's world you no longer can lead from an office you no longer can lead from an office nine to five or whatever hours that might be that there there's no way and with your example that you mentioned if the, the the person was spending 15 percent of the time with the people or people issues it's got to be the other way around it's mm-hmm. got to be 85 Eighty percent, even maybe right. above ninety percent, spending time with the team because that is truly yeah. how you develop that culture. Yeah, and that's what people are craving in yeah. today's world. They, you yeah. know, compens- compensation will come, right? But people are craving culture.
0: Right. P- people are craving a positive uh, culture. So, you know, one of the things that we, uh, when we work with our uh, customers and leaders, about what the culture means is that, listen, you have a culture, whether you like it or not. There's a culture that currently exists in your organization. Now, it may not necessarily be something you try to get to or intentional, uh, what we call an intentional culture, but it is a culture. And sometimes as a leader, in order to start to make some, some uh, corrections, you know directional changes, whatever you want to call them. Uh, uh, adapting new ways, you have to undo the previous culture, okay? Not because it was a bad one, uh, not because it was uh, something that shouldn't have happened, but because things have changed. So you got to give reasons to people about why you're about to make a change in the culture. And so people do want a robust Uh, culture that creates that, uh, that sort of sense of belonging, which then motivates the engagement for individuals to be engaged in making decisions. So, and our industry is loaded with opportunities to do that, you know, to give people the the option to making, making some contribution. And uh, we don't need to go fake it. You know, I've seen some, some uh, organizations that in the name of, uh, you know, uh, creating a culture of engagement and whatnot, they create these committees and the subcommittees that are addressing some goofy stuff that the committee members know that this is really a ridiculous thing to be engaged in. Um, But, uh, you know, like, oh, we're going to put a committee together to figure out what color the hangar floor should be, you know, I mean, come on, man, there's got to be better ways of doing things. So. We got it. We got to come up with tangible things that people can actually feel like they're part of the organization. I'm not saying don't pay attention to the color of the hangar floor, but I'm just saying let's not fake engagement. Okay, don't create fake engagement. A lot of people start going down that like and then people who are in these groups, they know it. You know, it's not like they don't they don't know it. They call it uh, all kinds of goofy names. They're gonna. Oh, we're going on another wild goose chase. You know, the <laughs> boss says we got to go do this, and what does that got to do with anything? And or how important is that, right? So those are the things that that you're um, you're really are uh, struggling with to create that engagement. And um, one of the things about that is, get rid of the traditional leadership ways of doing things Mm. the traditional things that we've had in the past are again obsolete today they're not going to help us get there so if we want to keep using the same leadership techniques leadership uh initiatives to create a new culture well you're going to fail because it's not it's not designed for that um on the other hand if you but you have to be a leader that that you know, pushes the envelope. You have to be a leader that presses the, uh, the team to find easier, better ways of doing things. A simplest example I can make, I like examples in these things because the simplest one, I may have used it before. I mean, we were interviewing a passenger, you know, uh, a C-suite user of aircraft. And he said, Bob, you know, the problem I have with our flight department, they're struggling keeping up with what I have to do. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, it used to be years ago, I would go to China and I would stay there for a week. So the same crew that flew me there would stay there for a week. They would get of rest and we'd fly back. So today I may fly to China for 18 hours and stay on the ground for 12 hours and then come right back. So now this requires an entirely different scheme of, of scheduling and crewing people. On these airplanes, right? How you crew people, and so the flight operations has to recognize this, and has to recognize that the 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 extent of change that this brings to the table, that you can't use the same criteria that we used ten years ago when this guy was going there and staying there for a week. Yeah. Okay, so that that puts a whole different uh, pressure in the in the organization. How do we do? We need more people right? Do we need more, uh, more pilots? Do we need more technicians? Um, I mean, things are different and they, they mean to, um, if we don't align ourselves, um, what that means is that that will, you know, we'll be, uh, disconnecting with our constituency, with our customers who we're trying to serve. Right. So that's, those are some of the fundamental changes that really impact how we do stuff. Uh, and, and you know, the, the other part of it is, you know, you hear it all the time, quality of life issues. Well, quality of life is not just about being with my kids, um, okay, or having time off. Quality of life is the culture of work. When mm. I'm working, is it a good place? Is it a, is it a... Uh, team environment? Is it people have, do, do people have each other's back or is there backstabbing going on? Is is there, um, do I feel comfortable, you know, in the environment that I'm am living in? So it's not just about quality of life, meaning quality of life at home. It means quality of life at work as well. You know, I, I challenge leadership constantly. Create A culture where people enjoy coming to work create it try to create that culture what do you have to do to get there okay what you have to do is start with the person in the mirror the person in the mirror needs to change the way used to think about um, uh, how a culture uh, evolves and, and forms so those are some things that we 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 see out there that that really have to be uh, be up uh, 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 you know front and center for future leadership.
1: Mm. I wanted to ask, I wanted to go back to you know the when we're talking about the leader, um, you know when the, when the leader, you know you mentioned the leader needs to look at themselves in the mirror before even looking at their culture. Um, but Bob, based on the work that you do, what are the challenges that you see leaders face? where they don't necessarily want to look at themselves in the mirror?
0: Yeah. Well, I think part of it is, look, change is, <laughs> change is difficult, right? For mm-hmm. all of us, you know, you. I'm sure you have habits. I'm sure every single person in the audience have their daily routine habits. Think mm-hmm. about the day where you have to kind of uh, do a different routine and you yeah. have to change your routine. It's disturbing. It's like, hey, man, that's my corner of the, you know, that's the seat I like to sit in. And that's the way I like to have my coffee. And that, and so change is disruptive. But we have to uh, train ourselves to purposely become, um, forget about pushing back on change, actually embracing change and bringing it in on purpose, knowing full well that's going to be uncomfortable you know and uh, that's gonna uh, dislodge you uh, somewhat from your comfort zone, right but so that's the first thing that I think we see out there is that people just want to avoid change until uh, they uh, they absolutely have to make it which unfortunately sometimes that's the that's a terrible thing to do because now you're reactive. As opposed to being proactive towards the change or towards the, because when you're proactive as a leader, you're moving towards something that you know it's coming and you're preparing for it. You're creating your culture to adapt the change and bring it in and I dare say to control it, Mm -hmm. to control it even better because then you can fit it into what you're doing versus having to react to it. Which means you're going to make some, probably some bad decisions, and that's the problem with avoiding change. Uh, is is the symptom. So I give you another symptom that you and I talked about was, you know, one of the symptoms of uh, short being shorthanded these days. Everybody's got, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, the, that in mind. The shortage of qualified maintenance technicians. Uh, which is sometimes even a bigger issue these days than than yeah. qualified uh, crew members, uh, flight crews. So one of the things that's happening, and it's very subtle and very inadvertent and not intended, but it's it's the the fact that uh, because I'm shorthanded, I'm shorthanded by a couple of people in the flight crew area. I'm shorthanded by a couple of people in the maintenance area. So I am really nervous about losing more people, right? So what that's doing inherently to leadership is causing us to be less, to hold people less accountable for things that they should be accountable for, which then impacts the culture in an adverse way. So if, you know, whether it's, uh, so for example, you know, we use SMS as a a great tool for a safety management tool, right? And, but one of the biggest things about SMS is the self reporting, right? Okay. Self reporting of issues and challenges. So, we the, the entire organization learns from it and avoids it from happening in the future. Well, if you're if you don't uh, promote that as a leader and you don't drive that as a leader, then people stop reporting, you know, because they don't want to look bad uh, or they, they're concerned about the political outfall of outcome of reporting you know what how it reflects on them so this is this is a negative culture so what happens is is what we're seeing is a dipping of accountability uh, in the negative direction so people are able to uh, get away with things that they shouldn't under normal circumstances if we had a full staff and if we had an environment where we had candidates out there looking for jobs and had a resume, stacks of resume in front of us, then you would, your accountability is uh, is held at a much higher standard, right? So you maintain those standards. But now that we're shorthanded, uh, I, I find uh, leaders to kind of be sheepish about holding people accountable. Well, you know, I don't wanna say anything to him. I mean, I don't want him to leave. He's a talented pilot. You know, he can go get a job somewhere else. That's not good because that actually creates a horrendously negative culture in your organization where people are looking and watching you and watching how you are basically destroying the the elements of the organizational culture in this case perhaps safety issues mm-hmm. which is a you know which is a huge fundamental part of our our world uh, so those are some of the things that we see that are uh, kind of symptoms. you know, they're just kind of flowing in because of the current environment uh, uh, that we're we're facing.
1: yeah, I, I I saw that very prevalent, especially when when I was in the front line and during the covid and even even it still is today where, you know, you're short staffed and I'm talking from an FBO perspective is you're short staffed right. and, um, you look the other way just because you got to do what you got to do, but you're right, Bob right. is like, that's that, that cannot fly. And I wanted to stay right. in this a little bit is, uh, right. talking about accountability is, is why is it so important to keep a culture of accountability even during these challenging times that we're in today, where we you know we can't even find pilots, they're going to the airlines. We can't find uh, people to work the ramp at FBOs or or work the front counter. Uh, why is it so important to keep that culture of accountability?
0: Um, and and, and I think that's a that's an uh, incredibly important question that every leader should should ask themselves because in order to do uh, this the correct way. One, first thing is, look, you spend a lot of time developing a good culture, right? A good mm-hmm. safety culture, good service culture, um, good team culture, good communication culture. So all this, you spend a lot of time. This doesn't come together overnight. It's not an event that you can take a step and have these things happen. It takes a long time of nurturing and building a culture. So when you start to... Uh, not hold people accountable to those those standards that you've established that are part of the culture. What you're telling everyone is, well, these are sort of negotiable items, okay? And then by by doing that, you enable people to bring in their own. And again, I don't mean that uh, that people are mean spirited or whatever, but that's what a strong culture is all about. Is that uh, we the culture embraces you, not you can't come into a culture where you start doing things that are important to you, right? To have your own agenda. So we're enabling, uh, you know, these sort of uh, uh, kind of contrasting agendas to start to seep into the organization. Well, I'll use that process uh, when I need to, okay? And when I screw up, I'll just maybe I'll just point a finger somewhere you know and say it wasn't really me it was because of this that and the other and so all of this starts to deplete the culture and creates an uncomfortable environment and people are looking to you know instead of paying attention to the work and the job which is complicated enough they're they're watching their six because they don't they don't see a just you know it becomes an unjust culture so mm-hmm. the just culture is out the window. So now you have to pay attention to protecting yourself mm-hmm. in this willy-nilly culture of pointing fingers and so on and so forth. So this yes. this is, to me, this is the absolute worst thing uh, as a leader. If you don't pay attention to this, you are ruining yourself. You are ruining your organization. You are ruining your people. And it is, to me, it's the ultimate poison pill. Uh, I mean, if you really want to work yourself out of a job, this is the way to do it. This is the way to uh, to enable people just to do what they want, as opposed to staying to procedures. You know, I interviewed uh, several uh, Navy SEALs, and they, you know, they talk about procedures, and you know, and, and they say procedures are only effective if you use them. There's no sense in having procedures if you're if you're kind of kind of sort of going to use them from time to time when you think it's it's you know it's works for you mm-hmm. say in in our world if we don't if we don't utilize the procedures that have been established that we've been trained to somebody could die and to me that's something that when you're lowering your accountability measures then you're enabling people to avoid procedures or to use procedures selectively. Mm. And that's a kiss of death. That is absolute kiss of death, because then it just spirals into a very unjust environment. Uh, People immediately turn into what's, you know, it's all about me. And that's it. And um, obviously, you can just go downhill from there, you know, just um, over and over. So uh, that's why this is so critical. In today's environment I hope I answered your question
1: no, no you're good yeah um I wanted to touch on yeah I think we we talked at length on accountability um but I, I've been in environments and I, I've seen this from a distance as well now that I'm in the leadership space is sometimes leaders do a poor job at setting expectations
0: right
1: and then that's that's almost really mm-hmm. like the root of the lack of accountability and i i feel like we need to talk about setting expectations and yeah. making sure that they're clear so the team knows like right. what's expected of me so how do we do this as leaders or let's unpack this a little well bit. i
0: mean again yeah. it's uh, i think the simplest answer i have um uh, cameron is is the yeah. fact that you have to dedicate time to it you know mm-hmm. and you don't do it um, on the first day of the job that somebody comes to on uh, comes to your team. You have to constantly communicate expectations, mm-hmm. because frankly, expectations do shift. Right, uh, some expectations do shift based on circumstances, based on your customers, based on the, your passengers. So it's not a question of having the same expectation, you know, okay, well, I told you what it was three years ago, and it's still the same way. It isn't. We just talked about how change is a constant uh, evolving um, and, and and constantly evolving and disrupting every day. So your expectations need to ch- shift with the, with the changes. Uh, that's why you have to reiterate them. I mean, you know, talk to them. Um, if it impacts the entire department, communicate what's going on, what what are the expectations now as opposed to yesterday and why they've changed and why we've had to adjust and then do one-on-ones. And when you're doing expectations, one of the key tools that we encourage people, leaders to use is ask questions mm. like, Bob, do you understand tell me what my new expectations are, tell me what the expectations are, tell me what you heard and don't allow for any misinterpretation. Don't allow for any misunderstandings to don't allow for any daylight in there, you know, to make, make sure they understand completely what your expectations are. And it's the second part of that. Sometimes the tougher part is then hold people accountable to those expectations. Uh, If you're telling this is what I want to do. Okay. And then the minute they see that you don't really do that consistently, you then you've just told them that this is all bogus. This is a waste of time. You were just saying stuff just to say it. You don't really mean to, uh, to, uh, to have those expectations as the established uh, part of the culture. Right. So so that's that's a fundamental uh uh piece on this is that that you you have to constantly and and frequently review expectations with your teams respective teams and one on one and so on the other part is you have to constantly hold people accountable to those expectations you can't just state them and then walk away and mm-hmm. hope that they're going to uh basically meet your expectations. You have to check on it. You have to measure it. um, You have to have metrics on it. You know, you have to, all these things. So these are the changes that we're talking about, uh, Cameron. At the beginning, we talked about, I'm looking in the mirror. What are the, what's the change that I have to adapt to? And so these are some of those, those changes that we've been talking about.
1: Yeah. And I think it's truly making that shift from, not leading from the office, but leading with with your people and being involved uh, in your team. A quick story here. So my first job was a customer service rep at an yeah. FBO. And uh, yeah. this man this FBO manager that I was under leadership for a good two, three years, one of the things that I look up to him on is his first stop was not his office when he came to work. He came to work at eight am and he was yeah. he came into the employee common areas. He went to the mechanic shop. What's the mechanic up to? Yeah. Uh checked in yeah. with the supervisors. What's going on? How's the morning been? Because of course, right. you know, our, our day is already going. There's flights already going out right. by 8 a.m. You right. know, uh, things are rocking and rolling. Uh, how is the right. day looking? Making sure right. the well being of the team, engaging, yeah. and then it was going in the office, and then periodically through the day, he would be present. You know, there'd be times right. when he needed to hunker down and do that administrative work, whatever you got to do as, as, right. uh, an FBO manager, but he was always present and involved and not afraid to step right. in when needed.
0: Yeah. I think that's uh that's a, that's still valid, valid leader. So when we say we need to change, we don't mean change everything, yeah. right? There are things that, that work and align with what are with some of the things we're talking about. So, uh, I have similar stories, you know, I, you know, I, I have to, you know, I had to recently correct someone a little bit, Uh similar story. This uh, one leader said, you know, they have a huge facility, very nice facility, very well manicured facility. And, you know, they've got people that come and clean the, the, the grass, they cut the grass and trim the bushes, all that stuff to make it look really presentable. And so he says from time to time, though, the wind and stuff, you know, the trash uh, flies in into this area. And so one of my leadership uh, tools is that uh, I run out there uh, and when everybody sees me through the through the all the glass and windows that I'm doing that, so they start coming out, and they start picking up all the stuff. And so, uh, we, this was under the conversation about, uh, leading by example. Right. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I said, I think that's terrific that, that you do that. However, ultimately what I would want is for me not to have to do that every time there's trash flowing into the area so that people on their own know to do that, not to, not to watch me do it and then follow my lead or my direction. But to actually know that this is a bad thing, this is an important thing, and it's a, our appearance to our customers is an important part of our, our how we are, who we are, part of our culture, and so I shouldn't have to step outside to do start cleaning for everybody to start seeing that and joining me. They should do it on their own, uh, and they shouldn't be waiting for someone to cue them up or, or tee them up. This is this is this is the culture you want to drive at. Um, I appreciate the the example, but I think there's another step that you need to still go. You need to yeah. go further with this, you know. So Very that's, right. those are some of the things that I think, you, then you know you have an engaged group, Yeah. you know, that that's doing that on their own motivation, on their own accord, not because they see someone do it.
1: So, and that's what you call true culture.
0: Right? Yes, yes,
1: yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I wanted to uh, shift the conversation a little bit Um, with the remaining time we have left. I wanted to uh, touch on really succession planning and also developing next leaders because this is something that is not a new issue in our industry. It's been prevalent even before the pandemic. Um, It's just come a little bit more at the forefront now. Um, Succession planning and developing uh, really your, what I would call next level leaders. So what are you seeing mm-hmm. uh, ba- on this based on the work that, that you do, Bob?
0: Well, I think w- one of the things that we see is that succession planning is unfortunately still a, still a little bit of an afterthought. Mm. Uh, it's not not too many, now I'm not saying it doesn't exist because it does. I see some good examples, but on the other side of that coin, is that it needs to start. Let's say I let's say I have a plan to retire in in three years. Well, I should start my succession planning now. And I should start my succession strategy now. And bring it up maybe two, three, four candidates uh, to say, okay, everybody has the same uh, the same opportunity here. So let's see. And then this is where you describe your expectations. This is you uh, send people for training because, again, you can describe all your expectations all you want. If people don't have the whereabouts, the understanding, the learning and the training to do things differently, especially when it comes to topics like leadership or creating a service culture or a safety culture, you can talk about it until you're blue in the face. It doesn't, it's not going to work because you didn't give them, you told them what you expect, but you didn't give them the tool to meet your expectations. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the tool is training. You have got to send people to training to challenge their mind, to challenge their their ways of doing things. So succession planning is not just, oh, I, I picked the name that's going to be my successor. That's not succession planning. Succession planning starts in a, well in advance of, of any kind of retirement or replacement and and builds up to that point where, so that the organization doesn't get jolted and, uh, in any negative way. Uh, so you've got a program where good leaders have been developed and trained, uh, talk to uh, about expectations and set setting goals uh, understanding how their role is going to evolve from not being the leader to a leader you know this is something that we ran, run into enormous challenges in our industries that we we took a great mechanic uh you know a good good mechanic and made him a supervisor or a manager yeah. uh, we took a great pilot and made him a good uh, you know, a supervisor or a chief pilot. Mm-hmm. And then they failed. And we're like, see, I mean, I don't know what happened. Maybe there's something personal. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's nothing personal. This person is still a good person. You're the failure. You did not bring this person with leadership tools to succeed. You gave them a different job, but yeah. you gave them no new tools to do that job. And that is... The, the leadership's uh, problem is that, you know, we do this all the time in this industry. I, I've seen it so many times in so many corners, it's not even funny. But people refuse to accept the fact that leadership sometimes role is different than fixing an airplane. Yeah. Um, leadership role is different than flying an airplane. Um, you know, just because you're good at one thing, it doesn't mean you're going to be good at the other, Right. Uh, so that criteria is is so false, so bad. Uh, but I still see examples of it. Honestly, I see it out there. I mean, they bring people in, and the next conversation is uh, maybe maybe he's going through a divorce, maybe he got sick, or maybe maybe she's she's just really uh, uh, not made for this. No, 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 no. This is you. This has nothing to do with the person you. Yeah. The person you you found to be talented, they were talented. What they needed was tools to for their talent to flourish even further. And you didn't give it to them. You just plucked them and put them into the position without any knowledge and know-how. You know, one of the things that, you know, you mentioned you were part of the FBO for, we were working with an FBO chain, midsize FBO chain for, for a, a few years. And uh, they had a high turnover uh, rate uh, even before the pandemic. And some of the issues were, so we started interviewing exit, doing exit interviews with uh, with some of the people that were leaving, especially people that had just taken the job three weeks before, two months before, recent hires, you know, and a few of them highlighted the fact that I don't feel safe here. You know, they they, they showed me when I started, they showed me how to do my job, but it was a lot and I didn't learn whole bunch. And I, you know, um, so, but they expect me to do this and uh, hope that someone's going to catch me when I'm doing something wrong and say, Oh no, no, you don't do that. You do this. And so they basically told us that they weren't feeling safe because the training was so lacking Mm -hmm. in developing newcomers, you know, entry level training. Uh, So I'm talking about leadership uh, programs, but also the entry uh, piece is, is a, just as critical, is you've got to develop people. And developing people is one of very, very few potent tools that you have as a leader to, to attract good talent, to maintain your talent. And people, you know, people are not always going to jump ship because of money. In fact, if you ask people why they're leaving an organization, often they'll tell you it's not be- it's because of my boss, okay, or it's because of the the the, uh, the environment is toxic. It's not a good team environment, you know, and uh, and so those are the things that that are 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 issues these days. We have to deal with these kinds of things because this is what keeps people or this is what chases people away depending on how how you're dealing yeah. with it right so that's an important piece
1: yeah I, th- I think that's so important because uh looking at your fbo example there i i've seen so many line service uh technicians at fbo's promoted just because they were good line service people right. but it doesn't mean that they're good supervisors It doesn't right. mean that they can Manage the ramp and manage people and manage customer issues and all the things that come up yeah. as a supervisor.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, so it's a different job function,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: completely different job function. So.
1: And that's often the missing element when you talk about developing your people is the investment. And it is an investment in leadership, training, and development and in right. growing your people. Beyond the technical side, I mean, you touched on something good, Bob, is you have to be really good and have a good training program in place to make sure that you're training the technical aspects of your jo- of the job, but you also have to take it another level by making sure you're even doing more to develop right. your people. And uh, I'll do a plug for the last episode that we did in episode two is where we talked about the value of professional development and training yeah. organizations. And oftentimes uh, I've seen organizations really hesitant to even spend a dollar doing it.
0: Well, I, I don't know if I ever told you the story. I was sitting in a FBO somewhere. Uh, actually, it was a charter management company. yeah, and um, and the uh, the president of the company was uh, you know we were talking about service elements, doing uh, programs, training and so on, professional development programs, customer service, uh, leadership, and so on uh and he said you know what bob i mean you know he was asking me about the cost and i told him about the, uh, the how much it costs and so on he said well you know the problem i have is that you know this is a lot of money for me to invest in this individual and then they're going to leave you yeah. right and so um so my answer was okay what if they don't so now what um you have a, someone who's touching your customers, dealing with your customers on a daily basis that's not trained to do. And uh, and by the way, when do you think this person might leave? Well, six months from now or whatever. Okay, so for six months, they're going to be dealing with your customers based on what they think should be done versus a, a common direction uh well you know communicated expectation as to how we deal with our customers and how we serve our customers and so on um and uh and that was just to me that was like the but that's how short-sighted some of the traditional thinking about leadership has been in in our industry is that well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spend that money um because they may walk out the door you know And, uh, and, and the point is, you're not spending your money just on that individual, you're creating a culture of learning, Mm -hmm. and you're maintaining, and somebody else coming in sees that as a positive. Okay, they're not going to ask you for $5 more an hour, they're going to see that you have an invested uh, culture that wants to build and develop people and people today more than ever before are focused on my development what am i learning where am i going yeah and i think that's that's a huge huge gift honest honestly you know we've in the past we've been challenged with these uh, issues but today these are gifts that we can easily take care of i mean there's mm-hmm. solutions for these issues there is ready and present solutions that can be implemented in a nanosecond if you want to, and you have to think of it like you said as an investment. Mm-hmm. This is an investment not only in these individuals' future but our own future, you know, our own direction. Because if I if I have and in our industry, this makes more sense than any other industry. Look, you you make a customer mad, it will cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars i don't care what business you're in either maintenance your fbo your charter management company it'll cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars so doesn't it make sense to spend some money to make sure that that doesn't happen uh, to make sure that that those customer issues are dealt with in a professional manner in a good way with good outcomes Mm -hmm. you know uh that that people will feel good about themselves Uh, As opposed to those, you know, folks that are, they get so sheepish because they don't even know what to say to the customer because they've never been trained to to say it. Uh, They've never been trained. I mean, yeah, you'll find some uh, sort of natural people that are good at customer service or natural people that are good at leadership. But that's, you can't expect that from everybody. This is a thing you have to develop you in your in your organization you can't just say well everybody should be like that one well yeah. that doesn't work i mean you know it's uh i think that's a cop out so i couldn't agree with you more uh cameron this is a big big opportunity but also a a, a an enormous still an enormous challenge in our industry especially on the PL side mm-hmm. uh, uh when you know when you're dealing with businesses they see that as a as a you know sort of something maybe nice to do they don't see it as a strategic tool for developing their culture and future you know
1: uh, yeah. so awesome well bob this has been an an awesome conversation and i really just think we just scratched the surface <laughs>
0: i know we could go on, we could go on about this like for <laughs> hours right yeah yeah well but that's I, why they need to engage you <laughs> that's why they need to engage us i mean that's yeah. you know this is this is what we deal with all, all
1: yeah. the time so yeah and and i really think you know it, it's all about we leaders as leaders we need to adapt we need to uh you know there's been a huge disruption as we talked about and we need to adapt and uh have that accountability um yeah. plan for the future of the organization on on the people side too not just stra- strategy right. for mm-hmm. the future of the company and i think the topics we talked about are so relevant for today, especially in our aviation industry that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're still maturing. We're still Mm -hmm. learning. We're still growing, you know, Mm -hmm. in this industry. So, uh, but I think this is going to be fundamental for our future. Mm
1: -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much for all your time, Bob, and we're going to have to do this sooner sooner than later. Thanks again.
0: (laughs) Always enjoy working with you. Thanks so much. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks.
1: Well, thank you so much for tuning in to the Executive Leadership Podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed this interview that we had with Bob Hobby, and we're going to continue the conversation over the next few weeks. We have another awesome guest for you next week. Uh, He's a hospital CEO and just came out with a new book, and we're going to continue talking about this topic of workplace culture and furthering the discussion on the leadership that brought us here will not take us into the future. And so hopefully you're able to understand what I was talking about early on in the podcast, what that truly means. And I really hope this sparks some, some great conversations with your leadership teams, your leaders, um, wherever you are at in your leadership journey, uh, whether in your HR and that it sparks some awesome conversations. And if you want to connect with me and connect with our company, TC Advisory Group, we do a lot of leadership development and training and coaching and you can connect with us and send us an email info at tcadvisorygroup.com you could schedule a discovery call with us as well we'll sit down with you for 30 minutes uh, at no cost for you and you can find that link in the podcast description on whichever platform you're listening on and also you can check out our website tcadvisorygroup.com and you can find out more about us there and the services that we offer as well. Thank you again for tuning in and we'll catch you on next week to continue this conversation.